And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast in the Until Saturday feed. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. And Ari, um, I think we found the perfect college football coach for you. If we had to build a coach in a lab, I would say you need to do two things, Coach X. You need to recruit, recruit, recruit. And go for it on fourth down and don't have, quote, unquote, cowardly field goals. Have we found your per- the perfect coach for you, Ari? Uh, I just want to know, because um, we're going into a four-person podcast right now. Yes. Um, does anybody think he should have punted on the show? No, we're going to get into that later. Okay, I just want to know podcast, now because no. I don't want to get into a show with my friends and realize that I don't have a friend on here. If you think he should have punted, I will put my hand on your chest. I agree with his decision to go for it in the fourth quarter, in the the last draft. Okay. Go go for the win. Go for the win. Go for the win. Grace? Yeah. Grace is just too nice, though. She she wouldn't disagree with you. After you preface it like that. So we'll get into that later, though. Um, Also joined by Manny Navarro, covers Miami and recruiting force. Manny's back from uh, a trip to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, the old stomping grounds of uh, one Grace Rayner. I hope you had a good time there. And. It was a good game for a half, right? It was. It was a good game for a half. And I did see the statue that they have up of Grace uh, from nice. high school basketball days. They yes. Right outside. Uh, did you yeah. see her vandalize the clock tower? You're on there, too. <laughs> <laughs> she oh. wrote her name on the clock tower. That did not get the in Sharpie. the uh, video. The Ari video, wrote his and put, what, U of A class of whatever? Are you drinking? Are you <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we were supposed to write it if you didn't go there. So thanks okay. for outing me. Okay. Mm, well, mm. okay. Well, okay. Then I guess we're also joined by Grace Rayner, who we, we know now is on the podcast, covers uh, recruiting for us. And Grace, nothing exciting. You spent Saturday on the couch, but you will be on the road coming up. Two games, I believe, covering first in November, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Clemson, North Carolina. Well, house divided for you, Clemson, uh, North Carolina there. So uh, could be an exciting month of November on the road. I think so. Yeah. Um I don't know. I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm curious about where Clemson is, but I. I think maybe at that point we'll be curious about where North Carolina is. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, it should be fun. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five star review and leave a question with your review, and we will answer on the show. Subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. Be sure to join us live every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday on YouTube throughout the season as we preview and react to the weekend's games and hear from you, the listeners, on our Sunday Sound Off stream. Leave a voicemail or text on the Until Saturday phone line, 316-462-9852. One of these days, I'm just going to give Ari's cell phone number on that instead of the one see what happens there. <laughs> then somebody will call me. <laughs> Sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter where you'll get your daily fill of college football news right into your inbox. Good show today. There is, uh, I'm going to call this like decommitment week. I don't know what it is. Just a lot of guys, not many guys committing, a lot of guys decommitting, a few committed after that. We're going to get into theories about why that might be the case. Uh, Another rankings update. So we have a new number one overall, a new number one quarterback in the composite. 
We're going to take a look at the athletics all-freshman team, uh, which Manny uh, partook in. Uh, I think it's being published Thursday morning. We have some good mailbag questions and trivia. Before, so before we get going, I should know this. I should look this up. I forgot who did their rank. Basically, anytime any of the services in the composite shake up their rankings, the composite changes. So I'm not sure who. Maybe it was 247 this week. I'm not sure. But there's a new, um, new number one overall player, Jeremiah Smith. Um, he wasn't, it was Williams Winery was number one, I think, at the last. No, no, Jeremiah was number Jeremiah's one. Jeremiah's been number one? Yeah, he's okay. been number one. Okay, so well, the top ten are Jeremiah Smith, Williams Winery, defensive lineman going to Missouri, then Ellis Robinson, the fourth cornerback from IMG going to Georgia. Here's the big move. Julian Sayan, quarterback from Southern California, who's going to Alabama, is now the number one quarterback in the class and number four overall. Dylan Rayola, quarterback, Milton, Georgia, previously from Phoenix area is number five going to Georgia. Colin Simmons, defensive lineman, going to Texas. Micah Hudson, wide receiver, Texas Tech. Cameron Coleman, wide receiver, going to A&M. Justin Williams, linebacker, going to Georgia. And then David Stone from IMG, a defensive lineman, going to Oklahoma there. So um, there hasn't been much of a shakeup in the team rankings. We're going to get into that in a bit. But a couple of notes. Uh, Fun Mitch. stat, Mitch, real quick. Yeah, sure. Of definitely. those top ten players, eight are going to different schools, which is a nice breath of fresh air. Yes, it is. Um, uh, the Georgia's the only team, I believe, that is represented twice on that list. That right. is correct. That is correct. Three times. Um, there are three times, and everybody else is once. So th- um, that's not looking. I was many. I was bouncing around today, and you're. Are you still sticking with your Florida State's going to unseat uh, Georgia? <laughs> I think maybe now might be the time to get off the Titanic. It, if might, you want. Might, it <laughs> might. It might be time to switch off of that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we can't. Uh, unless- we, we we can't shame these. We li- we like these bold picks. That were had some rash, you know, some rational thinking behind them. So I don't want to shame you into like not doing. Are we sure there was rational thinking behind that one? There was because I I thought (laughs) if Florida State gets gets to the playoff this year and Miami and and Florida have a stinker of a season, they could pick up a couple of elite guys off of those classes, Mm -hmm. including a a Jeremiah Smith who may or may not go to Ohio State. So that that was my thing. But you know the math doesn't seem to work anymore. So yeah, so. Uh, speaking of Miami, but you got to keep that energy though. If you feel a certain thing or you got, that's what makes podcasting fun. You don't always love it. Yeah. So Jojo traders, this is the first man you would follow, follow this closer than me. He's no longer a five star. I mean, no, he's like literally the top four star. He's number 36. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, when teams talk about five, he he might, there'll be more shuffle. So he might be a five star, uh, when we're all said and done. So he's no longer a five star. I mentioned the quarterback shuffle. Um, it's now Julian saying, Dominic Raiola, DJ Lagway, Aaron Noland uh, are all five stars. Other top 50 quarterbacks, CJ Carr, Notre Dame, and Luke Cromenhoek going to Florida State. And Jaden Davis was a five-star at one point, wasn't he? I believe Charlotte, yeah. quarterback going to Michigan, no longer a five-star. Again, no big deal there. So what I want to get into now, guys, is the decommitments. There were a bunch this week. And I don't know if you saw this morning, Andre Evans, a four-star from Nashville, cornerback. Flipped from LSU to Georgia. Draylon Miller, yesterday a four-star athlete from Texas A&M who just visited LSU, decommitted. Jaden Lewis, a four-star cornerback from Auburn. Joseph Stone, a four-star wide receiver from LSU. Virginia had two three-star DBs decommit um, last few days. One's committed to Georgia Tech. The other one committed to Vanderbilt. Michigan State had two guys decommit. Oregon had a guy decommit, a three-star tight end. Uh, Mississippi State had a guy had a guy decommit. So, Ari, I'll start with you. Um, any theories 
I think we thought this was going to happen as we get more summer, more and more summer commitments. It just seems like, I don't know if it's just because the midpoint of the season, but there's been more, more in like a three or four day period that I can remember since I started following this closely. Yeah. I mean, my only theory, I guess, would be that um, we've gotten to the point in the season now where we have enough context of what these teams are going to be, but now we're also getting close to signing. You know, with how many early commitments happen in this sport now and the way that recruiting just is generally set up, I just I just think it's part of the game. You know, uh, I don't know what the average number would be, but I think you just have to assume that a quarter of the players who issue a commitment will commit somewhere else eventually. Um, I don't know why it's That's all a good number right to throw now. out there. I don't, you guys, I want you to go on, but Manny yeah. and Grace, over or under 25%. I would say it's under 25%. I think that's a little aggressive, but I'd love to know that figure. I just uh, made up that figure in my yeah, head. I don't I know. know. 86% it's probably, of stats are made up offhand anyway. 99% well, of yours are. <laughs> and the 1% that aren't, you get wrong. So I, I remember doing, like, I, I actually did this. I went through 247's decommitment list for every single program. And, and the problem with it is sometimes they don't include everybody who decommitted. Like, if they picked them in school, sometimes or whatever, it gets blanked out. But I remember doing the research. And 25% seems a little high, but I think it might be like 15, maybe 18% somewhere in there for the top like 1,000 players. I think Ari's absolutely right. I mean, it's just, it's just like the transfer portal, right? Like more and more guys leave after one year or two years. And to me, it's the same thing with commitments. Ari, we're, if a certain um, team, we'll call them Jacksonville State, didn't win last night, could there have been a decommitment in your marriage? <laughs> well, the good news is, is that we don't have to worry about that because a winner okay. is a winner, bud. Um, and yeah, we feel pretty good about the way things are heading in our marriage. Thank you for asking. Uh, okay, good, good. And Grace, you're solid. No, no, like no decommits. You no, no flips or anything like that. No decommits. Manny, is no. your wife going to leave you? <laughs> what, I, what is this? I mean, podcast? you never know. I don't want to rule it out, but uh, no, I, I think we're doing okay. Twenty years of marriage, uh, two kids. Like, if she leaves me, I'd love to see who she picks up in free agency. That'd be, a, <laughs> that'd be a. Is there another soccer coach in your league who's got there, a better record? You need maybe, to worry about maybe, maybe that's a bigger what I should be Worried about? I got to start looking yeah. at some of these other soccer coaches. Well, if you guys ever are find yourself on the rocks, you could just take her back to SeaWorld and rekindle your life. <laughs> that's true. That that might spark it. <laughs> yeah, so any uh, grace, many chime in theories, just the product of the system we're in right now, you think? Yeah, I think too, this is the time of year that the maybe the under recruited guys that are late risers are getting poached. Um, then you look at Michigan State, there's obviously still some uncertainty there, but I don't know. You look at a lot of these kids that have decommitted and they're kind of smaller schools Georgia State, uh, North Texas, uh, Virginia, South Florida. Um, so I don't know. I already wrote about this a couple of years ago, but I think this is a little bit of maybe of the Andrew Paul effect as well. I don't think, um, and I don't want to speak out of turn here because I don't know, but what do you guys think? I don't think NIL is playing into it right now. I don't know if there's like any mid-season NIL. It seems like those would be those late flips in December, right before the early signing period where there might be some quote unquote negotiating. So I, that makes sense at all. Like, I, I don't know if they're talking NIL packages in the middle of the season. I don't know. That's a good question, uh, Mitch. I, I think part of this too is these programs maybe reevaluating and dropping some of these guys too. Like, yeah. I, and I, I know some of these guys are, are ranked pretty high, but I think you know as they go through senior year, they're being reevaluated, and some of these coaches are just like, yeah, he's not good enough for here. We're gonna go find somebody in the transfer portal or whatever. Or maybe somebody already on a college team has contacted them and said, hey, I'm going. I'm planning to transfer, 
and they say, okay, we're not, we're not going to use a scholarship on a freshman. We're going to use it on a transfer. So we know all that stuff happens behind the scenes. And to me, I think that's probably why you'll start to see more of this happen as we get closer to signing day. Or hey, teams, Mitch, I- real, real quick, or teams take a commitment from another guy at that position. Yeah. And so they're not telling you to get lost, but they're telling you to get lost because they've taken another cornerback or whatever. Right, right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Can I hijack this for one second? Please. Because two of the commitments, or decommitments, I should say, were from LSU. Okay? Yeah. And LSU's decommitments were both top 300 players. Uh, the highest rated player that had decommitted in the last few days was Andre Evans out of Nashville. Shahir is a nice city. Mm-hmm. I am having a hard time deciding whether or not I think LSU is doing a good job this year. Let me hijack this. They have they had three Texas A&M commitments on campus this past week. So I think it's it, they might be losing a few guys, but that the Draylon Miller guy, is that his name, who just decommitted, he was one of those guys too. So I don't want to – like if this was an anti-LSU rant, which I don't no, think No, I was, don't have an anti-LSU rant. But I'm just they're also – there's three A&M guys that they're after too, and A&M's been kind of struggling. So I'm just ahead. saying as we look at it right now, LSU ranks number 12 nationally. They don't have a five-star prospect committed. They've got 23 commitments, and 14 of those 23 are from Louisiana. So I have a like push-and-pull thought process here about how to feel about LSU. On first hand, the thing that we discussed a lot when Brian Kelly got hired there was the ability to recruit their home state, right? And if you go look at how well they're doing this year in the state of Louisiana, that should be super encouraging uh, for LSU fans, right? Like the whole notion of LSU's health has always been recruiting the state. And of the top 10 players in the state, I believe seven are committed to LSU right now. Now, the number one player in the state, Dominic McKinley, out of Lafayette, Louisiana, is committed to A&M, and I believe he's one of the three A&M kids you're talking about. Um Wardell Mack, a top 125 cornerback, is committed to Florida, and then another AM prospect that is in the top 280. But seven out of ten of the top ten players in the state that's that deep is great. They certainly did enough in their own state on this cycle. But then conversely, it's like, have they done well enough on a national scale to continue to raise the bar or to try to achieve elite level status that they achieved in 19 and in previous years before that. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if an LSU class could ever get a passing grade without at least one five-star. in it. It just seems like overly focused on home now, which, you know, like, I don't know if they struck the right balance so far. 
And I I don't know who the Texas A&M kids off the top of my head are that you were inferring. But if two of those were Louisiana kids, and it's just like, where's the national production here? And I just don't know whether I should be worried about them or if this is just a weird transitional year where the state of Louisiana isn't as top-heavy with five-star prospects as it usually is or if this is a telling thought of like, LSU is going to be recruiting in the 12 to eight range and they're just going to be overtaking players in their own state. So it's just, it's just something I, I found myself thinking about. Evidently, find- it was five-star athlete, Terry Bussey, who just committed. Oh, okay. Uh, four-star receiver, Draylon Miller, who just decommitted from A&M uh, on Tuesday. And then four-star defensive lineman, Gabriel Relaford. Uh, okay. So only one of those three that you're talking about is from Louisiana. So that would be good. If they somehow figure out a way to get Bussy and um, another top 100 player out of the state to, to commit, then maybe that mitigates what I'm talking about a little bit. But it's just like there's not enough star power in this in this class that I'm internally conflicted because I've written and discussed how important Louisiana is. So I thought maybe one of you guys could help like navigate how I should feel about this because, you know, Mr. Hot Take passionate person over here is kind of torn. Uh, my boring answer would be, let's see how it plays out, especially with the, in, in a, when they just lose a kid to Georgia and they got three kids from another this school. This is a podcast, Mitch. Okay, I think you're completely wrong, Ari. You're an idiot. Uh, no. Um, I'd much rather you think that than yeah, say, we'll see how it plays out. I, I, I share a little bit of your co- concern, if that's the right word, for, for an LSU class not to have a five-star. And you, I don't think it's ever great when you don't have the number one kid in your state committed when you're, when yeah. you're LSU. It's not like Georgia where there's – We've, t- we've talked about Georgia's lack of success in the state of Georgia, which is even weird to say, but like LSU isn't as deep of a state. It's a deep state, but it just seems like you, you, you need to get the number one kid in state, especially when they were, you know, they, they, they had a lot of buzz in the offseason. They were a preseason pick to, to, you know, win the West by many people, and, and they've, they've stubbed their toe a little bit, but they could still have a 10 and 2 regular season here. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but um, it's just. They only be- have two top 100 players, and only one of them is from out of state. But they have four top 150 players, and all of them are, right? Like, I don't know. Like, last year, how many top 150 players in state did they have? I think it was two, and this year they have four. So, like, you can't – can you knock them if they're still – like, can you knock them just if, like, the top 150 kids just happen to be in their home backyard? Well, I feel like the top 150 kids are always there. Like every year, I feel like they have four or five guys that are really, really good. And usually there's a five-star prospect. And I think it's great that they got them, Grace. Um, And I'm not trying to belittle the achievement of getting any top 150 player, regardless of where they're from. But my thought process is, is like LSU expects to compete and beat Georgia. It expects to compete and beat Alabama. And I don't know if you do that by signing one top 100 player on a national scale on any given class, regardless of how deep your current state is. And I think you can make the case that Louisiana isn't as deep this year as it's been in the past. So they're kind of losing on both fronts. They're getting the guys, sure. That's the, the thing I'm torn about. Um, and I'm not going to go write a column, LSU's recruiting efforts stink, because I don't believe that. But I do think that looking at the class as a whole, there is some cause for concern about the lack of firepower that they're getting from all over the country, which has never really been the case with them. Well, I think the fact their secondary has been pretty awful this year and, and the fact that they're struggling on defense probably has a couple of guys a little shaken. And, and Andre Evans, I guess, is listed as a cornerback here. He's a four-star cornerback. 
don't know if he's going to play safety or corner at the next level, but uh, I'm looking at six of their um, decommitments. They've had six since June, by the way, two more than they did a year ago, Ari. Um, another one is is a safety, Maurice Williams. He decommitted in, in, in June. So I don't know, maybe maybe losing you know some of the changes on the coaching staff has affected some of the relationships, and that's part of the reason why this is happening. Um, but you're right. I mean, the state as a whole, for the best player to be going to Texas A&M out of Louisiana, that's definitely weird, weird to me. Speaking of, we'll transition here. Speaking of going out of state, the one big commitment over the weekend was Aiden uh, Breland, four-star defensive lineman from Matter Day, number 38 overall, so very, very high four-star to Oregon. I don't know if I've seen a disparity, such a great disparity in an individual player's ranking. He's number 38 in the composite, but he's number 11 in 247 sports, and he's number 102 in rivals. Like, I don't know if he was just really tired at a rivals camp one day or, or, or whatever, but uh, I, I can't remember. But that's just a, and, you know, I know Antonio Morales is, is working on something on this, but just, it's not just matter day. It's Southern California kids going out of state, going to Oregon and coming off of on the same day that it was early in the day, but the same day that Notre Dame gets blown out at South, in South Bend, not a great look for USC. You know what just came to mind when you, said that about the talent or I mean the ranking disparity. Yeah. And it might be a fun story that all four of us could team up on. But when I was covering the elite 11 regional in Austin a few months ago, Oh my God, it's been like five months. We are getting old. And then the year is going by fast. But one of the main elite 11 counselors was telling me a story about how Joe Burrow came to one of the elite 11. Uh, what is it? The, the regional round regional trying to get yeah, regional, the tickets yeah, at the camp. end. And the night before he had like a baseball game and prom or something. And like, was just like completely prom couldn't have been it. Cause it's a summer thing, but he had something going on. That was a baseball game. His arm was dead and there was a family event or something. I don't remember what it was. And he came to the elite 11 camp and just didn't have a great day. Cause he just was tired and his arm was burnt out. And then he didn't get an invitation to the elite 11 finals. And it's like, Oh Yeah. Joe Burrow, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of college football and now probably a future Hall of Famer in the NFL, not to get too carried away with myself, but certainly a pro bowler who's played in the Super Bowl, like just happened to be tired at the Elite 11 that day. And it's like how many players happened to be tired at a camp that got completely misranked because, you know, they had prom the night before or, you know, they are getting off a stomach bug or something. Like there's probably a, a bunch of stories of like players who have been mis misanalyzed as a result of something funny or inopportune happening in their lives at the given moment. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that makes sense too, especially these camps are probably like what, 110 degrees out there. And you know, it just can be less um, yeah. so, hot. Um, or how about the guys or how about the guys who have like a career day and just happen to do it in front <laughs> of all the national scouts. And that's the one time they actually looked any good. And they got go totally crazy. Overrated. Yeah, I remember talking once. about my athletic uh, job interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember once Vanderbilt signed a basketball player in the late signing period or something, had a scholarship open, and one of the coaches I know went to go scout him, and I think he went like seven for seven from three in that one game. And then like his freshman year, he was like two for 22 or something for the season from three, and the guy was just like, uh, you know, the day we saw him, he went seven for seven. I mean, I know it's more involved with that, but uh, – um, it can happen. So, Manny, you worked with Max Olson, I believe, on our freshman All-American team. Now, this was not yes. just true freshman, right? This was... No, redshirt freshman as well, yeah. Um, 
the amount of I did the quick. You probably did the math there. I I think there were nine top one hundred guys on the uh, the twenty two guys and the twenty two. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you expected? I mean, it's just like the quarterback Byron Brown from U- USF is a three star ranked in the thousands. It's more of a uh, opportunity, especially at the quarterback position. It's it's just a combination of opportunity and talent. A lot of these five stars aren't necessarily playing enough because they've signed with great schools. Um, yeah. I think I think what's interesting too is like there's always certain positions where you know five star guys just have a better opportunity to get on the field right away as freshmen and defensive back is certainly one of those every single year like I think a last year's team when we, when, when Max and I worked on last year's team and like Malachi Starks for Georgia right he, he came in right away immediately had a huge impact this year you look at our our DBs and and you know four out of the five that ended up making the team are all true freshmen and. You know, two of them are five stars that are that were top 16 players in Caleb Downs and Peyton Bowen. So to me, it's like there's just always certain positions that lend themselves to freshmen getting on the field faster. Uh, are you guys running freshmen. a 4-3-5 defense? That's 12 guys. Yeah, well, listen, uh, we, we, we <laughs> one of the guys has to be on the bench, I guess, on the other 11 or on the field. But, yes, we made 12 selections. Just the same. I mean, I think we did the same on offense, too. So um, Yeah, two, two running backs, three wide receivers. Um, yep. Yeah, the running backs, Darius Taylor, Jason Buckley, Taylor from Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, Buckley from Western Michigan. The skill players, uh, you got Tyler Brown from Clemson, who was in like, what, the 700s, I believe, right, Grace? I, I think. I think so, yeah. Uh, and Kevin Concepcion from NC State. Um, so, yeah, not uh, some offensive linemen. I guess uh, Francis Maugoa, Mau- uh, the five-star right. uh, from started, Miami. Started from day uh, one. True yeah. freshman. So, is there uh, – any thoughts of doing – I mean, I guess you guys have done it like this every year, but uh, just a true freshman one or just – just. Yeah, I think we, we – um, Max asked, uh, I think last year, right after the story ran, and everybody was like, no, you got to include all the freshmen because they, they want to make sure that the redshirt freshmen, whoever they their team is, gets represented, right? Nobody wants to just sort of be passed over. So I think it's – look, it's the way everybody's done it, redshirt freshman and freshman. But that's why I love doing the – I love doing the true freshman report every single week because – it's obviously unique. Those other guys have had a year to be on campus, lift weights, uh, eat, eat, you know, three plus meals a day uh, to get their bodies in shape. So obviously there's a big difference to me between a redshirt freshman and a true freshman. And anytime you have a true freshman make a team like this, it's just kind of unique because some of these guys have only been on campus a few months and they're already doing this. So, Yep. So that'll be that's out Thursday morning. I believe the pod will be out Thursday as well. So you check that out. Um, I was trying to find it on the athletic. I know, same. I was like, oh, where sorry. is it? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, many, many. Just I, I should have, send you. I should send you guys the link just in case. That, you're that's good podcasting to send yeah, something. Yeah. Just many and I've seen. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, exclusive content there. Anthony Hill was five, uh, the five stars were Sunterine Perkins, uh, five star Ole Miss signee. Uh, Anthony Hill, five star linebacker for Texas. Um, Manny mentioned Caleb Downs, Peyton Bowen. Yeah, it's funny when you see guys with all that drama like Peyton Bowen on signing day that he actually turned out pretty Thanks good. Out. So. Makes a little more painful for for Notre Dame and, and he Chester. signed the wrong part of the form. <laughs> That's the story. That's what happened. Wait, what? Yeah, on National Signing Day he with Notre the Dame date. or with Oklahoma. He's on Oklahoma's team, but he right, signed right. a national letter of intent with Notre Dame, but he forgot to sign something. I thought he never signed in. it. Yeah, I, I thought no, he, he never did. Signed. He just messed it up. And then oh when he God. messed it up, then he changed his mind the second time and signed with Oklahoma. Well, wait, no, but then when did I thought what happened with Oregon? Yeah, wasn't he? Uh, there, wasn't it? Didn't three he teams? flip? Like, he, I think he decommitted from Oregon. 
I think he was going, flipped from Notre Dame. I think to he Oregon. decommitted from oh, Notre no, Dame no, the night flipped. before. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting confused because there were three teams involved. Notre yeah. Dame to he Oregon, was Oregon to committed OU. to Notre Dame for a long time. He flipped from Notre Dame to Oregon on Twitter. Then he signed or attempted to sign a national letter of intent with Oregon, which would have ha- continued Oregon's crazy day of flipping people. But he misfilled out the form with Oregon. He like forgot the date or he signed the wrong spot or something. He left something blank. The form was null and void as a result of his error. And then when he decided to send the one in to fix it, he signed with Oklahoma. What? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, like just his think. his presence on like I'm not saying he yeah. wouldn't have asked. Out I just thought intent. he never signed anything because we we saw him Manny at a the All American game and yeah, he yeah, like game, yeah. it had gotten closer to midnight and my I just thought he never signed anything and then he was like because we all thought he was going to end up at Oklahoma. Is there a chance that Ari's making this up? I'm trying to find it. Oh, hold on, it, I'm going to pull story a, I mean, I remember it. the saga, I don't, it, but that doesn't sound like. Didn't we yes. about this? That sounds like Hayden it happened. Bowen filled out his NIL, yeah. NLA, he'd be at Oregon. He left out AM on, on the timestamp on or whatever on his thing. Is this out there? military time? On the, uh... Could have used him Bowen in Bowen sent his national letter of intent to Oregon, opened the door to Bowen changing his mind. He sent it in. We just put, we just did not put AM or PM on accident. Wow. Why do you have to put the AM or PM I, on this? I don't know. I didn't I go to medical school. I thought you just signed school. your I'm name. I'm just telling you no. what happened. <laughs> medical school. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not a genius like your daughter. I'm just I'm reading it out of the Oklahoman right now. Okay. Wow. I just, I, of all the things that you need to do to sign a national ever antenna. I would think all I know AM is that PM. there was a clerical error on the form that would have sent him to Oregon. He made this error, whatever the error was. So did he make it on purpose? the form back. I think he made it on accident. He said he'd be at Oregon. But then why wouldn't he just correctly sign with Oregon? That, I think he changed his mind in the in the, in the few hours between he changed it again. <laughs> That's wild. Wow. We need to track down this paperwork. All right. I want to see Speaking this. of Oregon, we're going to do a couple notes here that, I mean, everything's related to recruiting, of course, and this is a recruiting podcast, but we're going to talk just college football. And we talked a little about in the opening. Um, the Dan Lanning, uh, I don't want to call it saga. It's not a saga. It's just a situation where, you know, obviously he was aggressive in the game. And um, Ari, do you think if he would not have gone for it a couple times, especially at the beginning of the half, it was if it was just the end of game situation, do you think he'd be getting this much heat? And I want to say, like, I don't understand how people can't see, and I think you would agree that, like, that there's a gray area. Like the people that immediately said he cost his team a game because he went for it is absurd to me. Like we just, we, you, you're playing against Washington. The chances they're going to gain that 40 yards back in two plays after a punt, like he didn't cost his team the game. He made a decision that didn't work out. So I don't understand the, the, the lack of understanding of the gray area. So I guess I'll preface my, go back to my original question. Do you think it was a cumulative thing, Ari, or do you think it was just people jumping in that one decision? I mean, I guess you could make the case that he could have taken three before halftime. I would have. As as my buddy Dan Rubenstein says on the solid verbal. An Oregon guy. He's an Oregon guy. You can't bring field goals to a touchdown party. You just can't. And (laughs) so there's this thing on uh, in poker that I've had to learn. You know, I play poker quite a bit. Yes. I'm a gambling addict. No. (laughs) But poker has been something that I've been playing since I was 16, since the party poker era. And as you're learning to play, 
terrible, awful things happen to you <laughs> where, you know, like it doesn't matter whether you played good or played poorly. You lose big hands with with what I like to call gambling grab ass. So you push your chips in. You have pocket aces. Somebody's got pocket kings. The flop comes. There's no aces or kings. You both miss. You get all of your chips in. Ace, ace to king, king. Before the last two cards come out. Before I show you the final two cards, if you have pocket aces, you would gladly go all in against somebody with pocket kings in that scenario, right? That's the decision right there. You're making the decision in that moment. You don't know what cards are coming, but you have a statistical advantage or it is the right, correct play to get all of your money in against somebody who has a worse hand than you. Then the turn comes and it's not a king. Then the river comes and then it's a king. The guy who called your aces off the flop beats you. Now, I don't know if this analogy is losing anybody, but I have just no idea what you're talking yeah, about. I can't yeah. say I'm still here. Okay, but go ahead. So for the people that do know what you're talking about. Just because the worst hand won at the end doesn't mean that your decision to go all in at the beginning was wrong. It's results-oriented. It's people who analyze decisions that are made based on what happens after the fact and not with the information that was at, at hand when that decision was made. Does that, does that understand? Of I course. Am confusing you? That's, no. that's so the thing that bothers sense. me is, in the moment, if you could hit pause on your television, I don't know how any human being could sit there and go, yeah, the correct play is the punt here. They had over 500 yards of offense. Right, this is, I want to say this, this isn't Iowa, right. Minnesota, and it's 10-9, and no one can move the ball. Yeah, I think that's the complete like, opposite. Washington of that, has which, scored points in 75% of their possessions already. Like, they're going to score whether you give them the ball at the 20 or the 40. They're going to score. You're two yards away from going to pick up a first down. You are a head coach at a program that is recruiting high profile athletes. You put your trust in those players that you beg to come to your school and it doesn't work out. Because it didn't work out, doesn't change the thought process or who you were in the moment when you made that decision. You need to stay in the moment. You can't analyze what happened afterward because you don't know what's going to happen afterward. Dan Lanning didn't know it was going to be a three-point game before halftime, so you're an asshole if you think that that's the, the decision-making process before the half. Oh, those three points would have tied the game. How did he didn't know that at the time? He wanted to score a touchdown. And teams would, teams would have acted differently in the second Washington half. Washington was going up and down the yeah. field like, go shit through a tin horn. What do you mean three? You you're, you you want three three points there? I'd well, before go for half, every no, single time. I would have I would have kicked before half. I bet you would have because you know what happened. No, no, that had nothing to do with it. I was watching the game I, before half. Oh, you're like oh, one, they need to get the three here because it's one this is player. Be the difference it, it in the negates game. it negate. Don't get in an attitude with me. Yeah, I I agree it with what you're saying. Mind. You like football? See, you're you're exactly what I have a problem with. You don't see the gray. <laughs> Your decision is the right one. And part There's of the no benefit of going for it at the goal line is you're pinning the other team back, whatever. And when you have one play at the end of the half, I think I would have kicked. I understood why he went for it. I don't think it was necessarily an egregious decision, but I would have kicked. The other times, I would have gone for it. I actually think that it's fine if you think he should have kicked before halftime. I think it was a – I think I you understood just said why he – No, no, but I'm saying – No, what I'm saying is, is – 
if the thing before halftime is the thing that you're mad about, then no. you're not looking at it right. I, I'm not mad about it. That's the only but, decision. No, I'm not that talking would, about you. I'm talking about everybody who's freaking out about it. Okay. Like if you're gonna go 30 minutes of football back in time to micromanage or to criticize a decision that turned out to be the margin of defeat, as if like you had a crystal ball and knew what was gonna happen in the second half. I completely understand that you're on the road. Washington's going up and down the field like there's no defense on the field. That you feel like you need a touchdown in a bonus scenario where you shouldn't even have the ball to begin with. Like, I understand the thought process. But at the end of the game, the thing before halftime is inconsequential to me because that could go either way. If you think he should have punted in that scenario, and there are a lot of people out there. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it's any of you people. Grace, what do you Grace, think? Are we, Grace, Grace you? are you are we shaming you and you're just not going to say anything? No, I'm with okay, you. Okay, good. Because right. like what All are right, the guys. even if they pinned them you're on the, the road, five, you've got a great offense. All right, yeah. here's what we need to do. We need to ask Manny, what would Mario have done? And then <laughs> we would do the opposite. Yeah, we take yeah. it. <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um no, I, I have no problem with Dan Lanning's thought process. I mean, you, you have a chance to win the game right there. By by picking up two yards, you hundred percent are going to win the game. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, you take knees. I know you're not familiar with what that's like. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but wait, wait, yeah, wait, I think, sorry, I keep interrupting. What's your pod, your podcast is wide right? Yes, correct. It's now called Take a Knee. You take need to rebrand it. Has it really? Yeah. No, no, we, we are changing it. <laughs> yeah, they need to change yeah, it. Take a knee. Okay, sorry. I, no, I, I'm just going to say that, I mean, to me, it's 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 obviously the right play. And, and Jimmy Johnson, like I think about the greatest Canes coaches, the guys who won national championships, and Jimmy, without a doubt, to me, is the best coach in Miami history. Like he went for it all the time on fourth down. Like that was – And he was hard for his time. Yeah, was like, like he was like, always an aggressive, like if we can win the game now, let's go out and do it. And, you know, and he never stopped scoring. Like he was just one of those coaches that was like the worst thing can happen. And you just have to – when you have the opportunity to win the game, you go out and do it. So, okay, good. I, uh, I just like, there are, I know we all agree and it's kind of a shame, but there are a lot of people out there that don't agree with this. Oh, I know. I was like, like, I don't think that we're appreciating how many people think he should have punted there. And like, I'm just trying to go through the calculus of, is it a 15% chance that they pin him at the five? Maybe a little bit more. Maybe maybe twenty five percent. They pin him at the five. Uh, Grace, you wrote about their lonely punter last year, right? Washington's lonely punter. Oh, was he on there? I don't know if it was the same punter, but yeah, guy doesn't. Guy's lonely. He never punts. He like never punted. Um, but like even okay, so they get the ball to ten. Like they're gonna get to. They're gonna get four four more plays, maybe. The funniest thing about the whole thing is Oregon, that Oregon got the yeah. ball back and drove all the way down the field and missed the field goal. It's That's not like the, the game if, ended. If they make the field goal, like no one's talking about this at all. And yeah. it wasn't an unrealistic, unreasonable field yeah. goal. Right. But I think every coach, bring, everyone. Go ahead, Ari. Go, no, no, you, Manny. You Manny. go ahead. I was just going to say, I think every head coach, obviously the clock has a lot to do with it, right? And what was it? Two and a half minutes left at that point in the game. Um, I think every coach you know, with a minute to go, probably punts that ball. Cause you know, if, if Washington's out of timeouts and they're under a minute, like it's hard to go 85 yards and under a minute with, with no timeout, especially with, with the, with the new rules, with the clock and everything, college football. Well, that but, wouldn't have, that wouldn't have, under two minutes, the, the, the clock stops on first downs under two minutes. All right. Well, yeah, I, I, I should have known that, but I guess I didn't. Um, I, my point is like, I think you, you punt only with a situation where that other team 
has to drive the length of the field with under a minute to play. And at, and the two and a half minutes left, like you have to you have to leave your offense on the field and go for it at that point because that is your best shot to win the game. Without question. So in the column that I'm writing as we speak, and I'm gonna kind of I haven't written about the I'm four hundred words in and I have not written yet about the before halftime decision. Maybe I have to mm-hmm. change that because you're making it me feel like that's really important. But the, here's the crux of it too. And this is a recruiting podcast, so I want to say this. If you are recruiting a five-star quarterback or you're recruiting a five-star receiver or running back, don't you feel like trusting those players when they come in big-time moments is a admirable quality for a coach to sell? Like I would be more inclined as a player to want to play for a person that will trust me in big moments rather than playing scared. And I've said this on previous shows as a person who enjoys playing the games, gambling on them. (laughs) There is an inordinate amount of scared coaching in college football. Weird punts at weird times, decisions to kick field goals when it makes no sense. Um, all sorts of things that happen all the time with coaches in the sport. I feel like make decisions because they don't want to be criticized afterward. And it's like, I think that we should normalize this. The fact that the thought process of punting even existed is what's wrong with the sport to me. It's so clearly you have 500 yards of offense. You're two yards away from ending the game. The other team is going up and down the field on you. No problem. Who is giving is taking the ball out of Bo Nix's hand. How could you possibly even create a Heisman billboard for a person that you won't want to have the ball in their hands with the game on the line? It is nuts. It is absolutely nuts. And if you think they should have punted, I don't like you. <laughs> but they also they also lost. So those people do have an argument. Like it didn't end up the way that they wanted it to end up. Like they still lost. So I think it's fair to crit like, I don't know. Like, are you pushing back at me right now? I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I think she is. Hey, Grace, <laughs> speak up. To, Go, I'm Grace. Just saying, wait, it's wait. Not, it's not Ari, unreasonable. Ari doesn't like you, Grace. Ari doesn't like you. It's I not can... unreasonable to push back. Now I agree with you. Like I was on your side. I think they have an incredible offense. You go for it. You're on the road. You don't want to deal with any part of Washington. I agree with you. Go for it. However, like they they still lost. So I still think it's fair to criticize them. If I took like you're saying, like, I can't understand how anyone could possibly think this. There's like a whole group of people out there that are like, well, like it didn't end up the way they wanted it to. Here's here's another part of it, too. I think there are a lot of (laughs) fans. You see what I'm saying, Ari? Like they lost. He can still be criticized. You ignored my entire poker analogy. My whole thing was you can't. It's not confusing. Do you know how to play blackjack, Mitch? Yes. The 16 against the 10. I understand your theory. 100% I understand. of the time, you take a hit. Yeah. But if you don't take a hit, and then the dealer busts, that doesn't make you smart. The I know, result doesn't change anything. You're an asshole for making the wrong decision <laughs> in the moment, regardless of how it plays out. You're preaching to the choir. It's like saying like, oh, I have an oily rag. I'm going to go run through a house that's on fire. But if you make it outside the other house, it doesn't mean it wasn't a dumb decision to go in. <laughs> like, it doesn't, like, what happened afterward does not, at all have any impact on the decision in the moment. That's my my thought process. I agree with you, but I think it because of what happened 
afterwards doesn't negate the fact that you can't have an opinion on a crucial decision. That's all you I'm can saying. Have it. Here, yeah, you can have it. We we have different. Ari is 100%. You have to go for it. You're a bad human being if you punt. Like you might I'm, actually I'm not be a good person that, like, if you punt. I, I would 100% go for it, but I understand to a small degree that there's some yes. people that That's might want argument. to punt. I disagree with that, but yes. I acknowledge that that is a line of thinking. But I don't Ari think they're crazy yeah. or like Here, assholes. I can't think that. Assholes. There you go, Grace. Get here's, another, here, here's another problem, I think. <laughs> 90%, maybe that's too high, of analysts on college football games are conservative football minds. They're older, they played, yeah, they and played they think the you 40s. should punt yeah. everything. So, like, there's whatever is five million, whatever million people watching this game, the analysts who people think is smart or know, they know more about football than I do, but they, they're like, oh, you should punt that. It like, wasn't the case in that game. I think Herb Street was on the call, whatever, like that. But I, I think that there's a lot of really conservative people that call the games. And well, that's what it was called for decades. I mean, and, right. and I think what they do is they turn around and they call people like Ari, you know, products of the Madden generation. You guys don't know what you're talking about. You're used to playing on Madden. You could do that in Madden. Like, analytics you know? never looked in someone's heart, Ari. <laughs> well, I, I honestly, like, I think that maybe, like, I am actually somebody who is overly aggressive. Like I would you never, think? I, I no, would never no, no, no. I would never punt at the fifty unless it was fourth and twenty. Like I don't think that the the, the field position game in college football, where offenses are averaging six hundred yards a game, sometimes that like the extra twenty six yards of field position is worth losing the ball over if it's fourth and eight. I think that the like the percentages on some of these things, there is a thought process of like, well, you can either go for it at the forty one or you can punt it and they get it at the twenty. It's like it was the twenty one yards worth a field position, worth not trying to get a six-yard gain and keep the ball and get into the red zone. But this isn't that. Like, I also feel like if the game that we watched on Saturday was played in 1996, you probably punt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the off, I mean, the other team's quarterback is probably on track. I mean, he's the clear favorite to win the Heisman now. You want to yeah. get rid of the ball and give it back to that guy? Like, well, let me ask like you it doesn't, right. it, it makes no sense to me. But the clock, how much does the clock play a factor? Because There's say two minutes not left. Right, but yeah, let's, let's say, say like was, Manny's argument. Let's say like there's a minute argument, to go, no timeouts. Under a minute to go, no timeouts, and you got to punt the ball, or, or you could. It's fourth and two, same situation. Yeah, if there's 47 seconds left or something, I think that the calculus would be different. I think two minutes yeah. with that offense, with no timeouts, with the clock rules, the way that they are set up is an eternity. I think they mm -hmm. would have scored regardless of where they started from. Because you're and not playing really aggressive know on defense. Too. You know, you know, if yeah. they have the ball at the 10, you're not playing press man coverage. How many you're... plays did it take for them to score from the 50? Three. 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 Yeah. Three. So what, they would have taken six to get from the 20? Yeah. Like, they, their offense had been moving the ball the entire game. And the one thing, too, that and, and Chris Vanini wrote a good, really good column afterwards, too, and he was pro, go for it, pro everything. But Lanning has gone for dating back to the Washington game last year, the Oregon State game this year. His team is not executing – his team is not does has not yeah. had his back, so that's added more fuel to the you know. Here's a stat. Yeah, Dan Lanning is zero for their last nine fourth down attempts against Washington and Oregon State. It's not that, that's a play call issue. Maybe that's a play design. You nine know. straight failed fourth downs. Yeah, I've always so thought my that, thought process yeah. was that when the regression to the mean starts happening, right, and they might face a fourth and one against Washington literally in two months. Yeah. They're going to get it eventually. Like, I feel like doing it and being right in the moment will statistically pay dividends down the line. 
Uh, I want to move on, but I do think that in, in, uh, your guy Kenny Dillingham was calling the plays last year, right? And then Will Stein this year. I, I think the, the, the stats that I look at, an offensive coordinator, obviously yards, yards per play, but fourth down conversions, two-point plays, and red zone. That's like when offensive coordinators really earn their money because that's you know those are the biggest plays, and your red zone, everything's compact. And it's more difficult to execute, more difficult to fool the defense there. And I'm certainly think that there's probably a discussion to be had about whether the right plays are being called. Yes, yeah, which like, is hard I think for us the, to know. Yeah, the decision to go for it and whether the right play is called is two very different discussions. Yeah, All right, Grace, I, I didn't mean to scream at you. I'm sorry. I'm very passionate. No, it's about okay. This. Yeah. I, uh, I'm on your side. I just don't <laughs> okay. think that people who have different opinions from you are like denigrated to asshole status. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's just sports. I love everybody who listens. I, I just like don't understand. So the guy said, I can't. I don't like people who say that. I don't understand how certain people's minds work. Like, I, I just don't. You should have someone around. on and come. I need to get, get a therapist your, if we're being Get honest. one of your voicemails on your Sunday calls and have someone come debate you. And then you can understand. But then it gets angry and I start screaming and it's just like, yeah, no, yeah. we, we I, this week maybe we'll have somebody really wants to talk to Manny. I know. It's, been <laughs> it's Mario. It's Who Mario. It? He wants to. You heard I called him a dumb. I do. I do want to say though, <laughs> before we move on, that I find it hilarious that the Miami beat writer like got mixed up on what the clock rules were in the final. <laughs> game. I just. I think that's funny. Manny's <laughs> playing a part. All of that. He's playing a part. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, I don't want to spend as much time on this. It's another non-recruiting, it's a football one. I think I know what Ari's answer is going to be. And this was a mailbag question in Stu Mandel's mailbag that was published on Wednesday. Who needs the Penn State-Ohio State game more? James Franklin or or uh, Ryan Day? I'm going to start with Grace in the bottom right. Who needs it? I don't know. I mean. All right, why don't you yell at her? She said, I don't know. Of, I said, I don't know before. And you're like, that's great podcasting. I think for the she sake was of continuing. this season, Ryan Day needs it more. But for the sake of the bigger picture and James Franklin proving that he has that you should have any shred of confidence in him against a top 10 team, James Franklin. So right now, Ryan Day, big picture, James Franklin. Okay, Manny, you're up. James Franklin needs to Ooh. win one of these important games. He does. I mean, come on. Like, how, how many years do you keep going with this? And I, and I know he's not going anywhere, and Penn State's whatever, he's got a great contract, all that other stuff. But 
to me, like at some point, recruits need to see you win an important game. So win. Ari's frothing at the mouth. <laughs> I think there's no question that James Franklin needs it more. Like Ryan Day could lose to Penn State and then beat Michigan and make the Big Ten championship game and everything would be fine. That's not the answer like, I J- thought you were going to give. No, 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 no. I think James Franklin is like oh for a million in this in these games. Like Penn State fans have just been dying at the, you know, dying at the end of the at the cliff, just like waiting to finally win one. And I actually think they have a real chance to do it this year. Oh, like, I do too. It's, yeah. It's not like uh you know, one of these years where the spread is 17 points and we have to pretend like there's a real What is like, it? Even I don't even it's know. It's four. Like it's like a there's like a I would not be surprised that, at all. And I know they played they yeah. played well in this rivalry you've talked about a lot. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's 17-7, middle of the second quarter, Penn State, and we're just like, oh wow. You know, I mean, they it certainly could happen for sure. Yeah. The thing that I mean was this isn't a breakdown, maybe a preview of it is I think Ohio State is got some issues, but I don't know if anybody that doesn't cover the sport for a living can name a single skill position player on Penn State's team right now. And I know maybe a running back or something, but they don't have offensive explosion. And Ohio State's defense is actually really, really good. And I think there's a chance that as we head into November, uh, our brains are going to finally realize that Ohio State isn't winning games or going to win games in the postseason because it can score 60 points against anybody. It's because their defense is freaking awesome. And like it's possible that Penn State scores 13 on Saturday and just loses a, a tough game, 21-13 or something as well, while Ohio State covers. So... I'm still kind of parsing through who I think is going to win, but Penn State, like James Franklin, has a God contract. So if you say like, not, yeah. does he actually need it? Yeah, like, does he actually need it? Like, I guess not because he's okay. Just got n- not from an employment status, in. from a just yeah, uh, from a reputation yeah. status. I think that it would be really nice for Penn State to put themselves in a position to make the four team field at least once before we lower the stakes of the regular season next year. <laughs> So I think I will pick Penn State to win the game. Ari? That's great. I think it's a, that's a nice I'm asking pick. you who you're picking. <laughs> I'm still trying to work through that, but I think I'm going to I think I'm going to pick Ohio State to win. Okay, Manny? Ohio State. Grace? I'm also going to Ohio State. <laughs> okay. I think Mitch, you want Penn State to win cuz you're like eager for something different, and I think that the wishful thinking and you're not alone in this. I think a lot of people want Penn State to win just for a different outcome. But I think it's possible that it's just they're just not as good as Ohio State. Like usually they aren't, you know, and they just Yeah, I'm I that, that very well could be. I I mean I I, I think I'm, right now I've nothing against Ohio is, State. I just think it'd be cool if like yeah. it's been cool that Michigan has been good the last couple of years but are just you because picking Penn State because you actually think they're better at football than Ohio State or because you think it would be cool if they won. Like that's the thing that I think people need to separate. I'm not picking because I think they're cool. I'm picking them maybe because this is finally the year like I've seen Ohio State to uh, to use an Ariism. You play too much grab ass in the first half against some teams, and if you do it against Penn State, you might be mm-hmm. in a little too big of a hole against that defense. They've got a very good defense, and I, I will push back a little bit. They have two very good running backs. They do have some good wide receivers. They haven't had to make big plays so far, and you know they've been very I've conservative offensively. Also, seen James Franklin throw a fade route on fourth and one with a game on the line to a receiver who was five seven. So. Like there's a lot of things that happen, um, you know, in those two things. And I understand that like you are uh, have a picture of James Franklin like framed above your bed, your headboard in your bedroom. <laughs> you have a uh, mis- you my, my so I, you, you got to remember in, the Savannah. You, you, do not have, fan. you do not have a correct. You do not have the correct read of my quote unquote relationship with James Franklin. Like I don't. I care. think like, you think James Franklin is a top five coach in college football because of what he did at your favorite school. And I think I don't lost think track he's top five. I think he's a very good coach. 
Okay. I think he's a very good coach who has a really good team this year and has done a very good job at Penn State. Not a great job because they're not elite, to use his own words. But I think do you he's, think he's a, a great coach as a program builder. Or do you think he's a great coach on Saturday? No, I, don't I think, think you can make the case that he's Saturday. a terrible coach very, on Saturday. I think Why, he's a very good guys, CEO. What's his hang up? Like you guys know the Big Ten more than I do. Like why? Has it, has his teams just been worse, or is it a mental block? Like, why can't he win? I think they haven't been as good. Teams. I just think it's a bad break to be in the same division as yeah. Michigan State, Michigan, but and to Ohio never State. do it, like, and he did do it once. They won the Big yeah. Ten once. It's not fair to say that yeah. he hasn't done it. They did it in sixteen. They just lost to Pitt at the beginning of the year, and I kept him out of the playoff. So he has won games, but I, I can't remember. That, like, what's his uh, Ohio State record? I think he's one like one and nine or something. Yeah. Well, one and nine. One and eight. And then the know, way they lost to Michigan last year, they got run over. You know, they got bullied at the line of scrimmage. So, um, but there was a just, Penn he's got State a really good program. Nicole, Go ahead. Nicole shared this Penn State stat. I can't remember what it was, but I think he's like two and 25 against top 10 teams or something uh, during his He's just time in that sweet State. spot that a lot of programs that in college so football in there where they're, they're a good program <laughs> and they just beat the hell out of the teams they're supposed to beat and they don't beat the teams they're. They, Don't you know, quote me on that stat, but it was a, it was really bad. I can't remember what it was, but well, they did uh, beat Utah in the Rose Bowl, and they were a top ten team last year. So that, at least they have one. That's the one of them, win. and that's one yeah. of them. That is that's one of them. Makes yeah. me want to roll I my eyes. Audrey doing this too. In the back of my head. <laughs> I want to text Nicole while we do trivia. Yeah, Audrey's written um, about it somewhere. So we were um, we're running out of time here because I do want to get to the trivia, but there there was a. Uh, a good question here, in Ari. You might you might address this in your mailbag, which you're going to write next week, um, and we can make fun of it. But I think it's a good question. Like it's from Jeff S. Why would a, an offensive skill player want to come to Iowa? Like I don't know. Be their you, did the court, you did the you did the uh, story about the quarterback. Was it Jake Ruder? I forgot. The class of twenty four. Yeah, kid. yeah. He like, was a four star prospect, I believe, last year. Now, if they, if they if under this current climate, I could see why they wouldn't. If they do make a move with coordinator and they bring someone else in, do you think there's a follow up story there? Like, call him again. Like, I call him again. Sure like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you sure? Are you really sure? Um, I don't know. I just think it's fascinating that he's maintained his commitment for a year now, and it is literally the worst offense I have ever seen in my entire life. I'm looking at their class right now for 24, and I'm like, who's the highest ranked skill player on offense that they have? What, what's his name? I thought it was Rudy. I think it's the quarterback. His what's his name? Right, 20, I don't know. It's been a year since I wrote about it. The Iowa. expectations are so low, though. Like, you really don't have to do much to go in and be, like, in, famous forever. In the 24 class, the commitments that they have right now, the highest-ranked recruit is a three-star number James 674. Reacher. James, James Reacher. Gavin, Gavin, Gavin Hoffman, tight end, is the highest-ranked skill player. Reacher's one spot behind He's him. He's got an offer from Carolina. <laughs> oh, great. Odd Iowa tight end is skill. You better believe it. Yeah. I should actually go spend time with him because I'm going to Jacksonville in a few weeks. You are? Oh, yeah. I'm going to the right. Georgia-Florida game. So Oh, I'm going to see you, Ari. You're cool. going to the game? Yeah, I'll be there. It's going to be great. So it's going to be me, you, and Seth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a trio. Little hangouts. You know what it's called? It's called a banger. You know, we're going to go out there. We're going <laughs> to. I'm going to stay in St. Augustine Beach, I think, and take my tarp off on Friday by the ocean. <laughs> what do you think of that? That's good. Get my toes could be a little chilly. A little could be a little chilly. If okay. we have time, maybe we can drive to SeaWorld, Ari. Just you and me. Oh, I want to see photos. <laughs> Wouldn't it be <laughs> funny? <laughs> I would go with you. It could be a live uh, stream. That would be going. a lot of fun. Nicole sent early, me a text back. He's 3-15 and 15 against uh, top 10 teams at Penn State. 1-12 and 12 versus Michigan and Ohio State when those teams are in the top 10. No bueno. Good stat. 
Yeah, yeah, good stat. So, all right. Um, got a couple more mailbag, but we'll push those to next week. Uh, trivia here. Okay. He's also 0-9 versus top 10 teams on the road. It keeps getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> all while at Penn State. But then Nicole sent me a message that said, tell Mitch that he was awesome at Vanderbilt, though. She doesn't need to tell me that, yeah. He didn't, my, she didn't say that. Hey, if I tilt my thing here, you can see my bowl rings. Are you know I have bowl rings? You should throw them up on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see one. Go get one. Huh? Go get one. Okay, well, you need to uh, you, need, you need to keep the pod going while I go get I one. guess I could just ask a trivia question that's incorrect, and then it would be just like hosting the show. <laughs> I picked one. I don't know which one this one is. This is... Uh, 2016. Oh, Independence Bowl, right here. It says Does it my say name light on it. On it? Wow, yeah, it says, that is. Wow. They're just the gaudiest things ever. It says light. I did not realize it was going to be that. Um, like flashy. Yeah, it's got the Independence Bowl logo. It's the logo. Yeah. Can I ask you a question at the risk of offending 85 percent of our audience? 85 <laughs> percent. Okay. Yeah. God. Why the hell would you make a ring for the Independence Bowl? That's like they getting a for medal everything. for finishing 97th in your well, spelling bee. I, I honestly don't know how many programs do, but when you're okay. a program that doesn't hasn't been to bowl games historically, you make rings. But I, my guess is, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, they, I, if you throw I that thing three. on the internet, just make sure you offer free shipping. <laughs> no, I like it. It's funny. Um, how many yeah, do you have total? Three. That's cool. So if you would have had, did you eight. know this is if if you look at the history of Vanderbilt football, the overall record. My first 20 games as sideline reporter, Vanderbilt was 16 and four. Mm. Won the right. first, the last seven games of the first year I did it, then went nine and four the next year. Should have quit. You should have quit right there. upset that you don't get to do it anymore because of the athletic? No, it was a good gig. I loved it. It was fun. I missed the road games. They're like the, the travel and, and all that. The, just the, it was fun. Did you so, ever but I did it for fly seven on years. The team bu- on the team flight? Yeah, travel with the, you get the police escorts on the buses and the flights are awesome. You get Do you have free a funny food. story about being on the plane with them? Um, I have a funny story about being on the bus. I might have said in the pod, we, you, you have like five buses uh, from the airport and you get police escorts. You know, they, mm-hmm. they come to right, right around in the tarmac and you go right there and whatever. And uh, Vanderbilt's playing at UMass one year in Franklin and um, fl- flying to Logan is it Logan Airport, I think, in Boston. Boston. And I don't even know where the ho- hotel was, but Friday afternoon. It's like three o'clock, rush hour traffic. Like, you know, if you fly into going to Auburn, you fly into Columbus, Georgia, there's not much traffic. You know, they're, they're used to this. But so there's a police escort and there's a uh, like an ops person on every bus to be sure. Like everything's all right. And I'm on the media bus or the like the media relations and the radio team in the back. And and evidently, you know, it's a police escort, but it's rush hour traffic on a Friday afternoon in Boston. So the bus is going like 25 miles per hour. And Franklin's getting pissed. He's yelling, like screaming at the people or not screaming at the people, all the ops guys. Why can't we go? Where are the police and all this stuff? And someone's like, James, no one gives a shit about a college football team in Boston. I'm like like at two o'clock on a Friday. This this isn't, you know, Knoxville, Tennessee or whatever like that. So um, but other than that, I mean, not not really. Travel's pretty smooth. He was Um, getting mad about traffic. Did he chill out afterwards? I don't know. He was on. He was in the first bus, so like I, I just was. I used to sit near the front, near the ops guys and whatever. So they would. Just like, needed Moses to park the sea for him. Yeah, it, and and then I remember some some guy in a, in a pickup truck got in between the two buses, and people are yelling at him. The cops are trying to. It's and it's it's kind of funny. Um, that is funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's like it, the, the greatest thing about it is like you. If the team plays an eleven o'clock game, like in I played at Purdue once at eleven a.m. I was home. Oh, on my cool. couch at 5.30 Central Time. 
Wow. That's like you just the game's at 11, ends at 2 15, 45 minutes, shower everyone, and get, go to the airport and direct flight home. You, you get home so quickly. It, it's awesome. pretty cool. So, um, all right. Trivia? Let's do it. Sure. All right. How many class of 2019 quarterbacks? So they'd be fifth year seniors now. Have started a game for the school in which they signed this season. So they've start, how many f- class of 2019 quarterbacks are still at the same school as fifth year seniors and have started a game? Oh, at least one game for their current team that they signed with without yes. transferring? Yes. Hmm. I was trying to think who's number one. Seven. Who is number None of the – well, this is kind of him. I went over this last week. None of the top guys are still at the same school. They've all transferred. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this is – we're not even thinking about like – we're not even thinking about uh, great ones. This, no. They this, might be waiting right, on the this, list. Because mostly like Bo, Bo Nick, Spencer Rattler, all those guys transferred. There's – the, there's, oh, I don't want to even tell you how many are there. Uh, once, once how you many get are t- there? Well, okay. That's guys, the question, isn't gotta, there? Yeah. And then we'll get into who they are. Just oh, guess. Oh, oh. So, do you, uh, all right, I'm not being a wise-ass. Do you understand the question? Yeah, I think it's like, uh, my guess would be two. Others, guess? I was going to say three. I, I said seven earlier just to throw a high number out there. Three. Three. Great. Grace wins. Well, okay, Let's one. Go. Okay, there's one power five, two group of five. There's two others that have played but not started. So, see if you can name the one guy. He's a power, the one power five guy. He's a very good quarterback. You'll once I tell you, you you'll. He's a very good quarterback. Fifth year yeah, senior. Is fifth Tyler year Riddell senior. Is not a fifth year senior yet. Is yeah. he? Is he nineteen? No. Um, he's twenty. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who else. Would... He played in a pretty high profile game last weekend. It was. I mean, his team's not very good this year. Mm. Buddy, I don't know. Two thousand nineteen. Yeah, that was a Spencer Rattler year, right? Spencer yeah. Rattler, he transferred. Mertz. Yeah, all these guys transferred. Uh, the top maybe five Tua. guys transferred. Mitch, Tua after, Tua after Tua doing the 2018 QB story, I'm only thinking of 2018 yeah. QBs. Oh um, God, KJ Jefferson. There you go. Uh, yeah, Arkansas. Yeah. Never okay. in a million years would I've gotten that right. Okay, then then DeQuan Finn at Toledo. And mm-hmm. Brett Gabbert are also guys who signed. And then there's two other guys. Here's Michael Kern at Wake Forest actually came in last week for Mitch Griffith and probably would have started this week but got hurt. So he's yet to start. And then Cole Kramer at Minnesota is another guy. So there's basically only three Power Five guys who signed with Power Five schools are still there as fifth-year seniors. That's a That's really crazy. hard question and a revelatory statistic. Yeah, I'm going to go so, look up the stat. Yeah. So yeah, I was right. Um, uh, I want to tease Manny's story. Um, right, it was part it. of a trivia. It was part of a trivia question from a couple of weeks ago about it's coming out Thursday morning. Through my initial research, then a much heavier research by Manny, there are forty-three class of two thousand and eighteen quarterback signees still in college football as sixth-year seniors. So we've got a story on that coming tomorrow or Thursday morning. Uh, great research there by Manny. But that's that's that forty three sixth year seniors. Yes, Jeez. and thirty something are starters, right? Mitch, right yeah, thirtieth. Yeah, yeah. A couple guys so. switched positions that we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, 
Yeah, it's good stuff. And and three very prominent: Michael Penix Jr., uh, Jordan Travis, and Sam Hartman. So that extra year of eligibility. Yep, and so we'll have more next year too. I assume not more. There were well, year was more Devin Leary, but he's part of that too. He's on that Leary's list. Part of it, yeah. He's in it. Sixth year, but he's. I'm looking. Just not I'm looking at the 19 guys. list here: Spencer Rattler, Ryan Holinsky, Graham Mertz, Dylan Morris, Baby Tua, Hank Bachmeyer, Cade McNamara, Dwan Mathis. All. I think they all transferred. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, Hank Bachmeyer didn't. He he finished. Yes, you know he Boise, transferred. Right? No, he, he left in the middle of the season last year. He did. Mitch in the 18 class. You looked this up. Uh, there's only one. Right, that didn't transfer. Yes, one only starter. one guy who did not transfer. That, I'll, I'll find out. That's a good one. Got, for good story. Yeah. Did we do Yay. this last week? A couple weeks ago. <laughs> who was it? Uh, hold on. Quarterback at Troy. I forget what his name is. Uh, yes, Gunnar Watson from Butler, Georgia. He's the only player on that list of, of the forty-three sixth-year seniors. He's the only one that did not transfer. He's been at Troy for six years. In Troy, Alabama, for six years. You guys ever been to Troy, Alabama? Drove by it. Drove you, from Nashville. You drove, drove through, through it. Going, going, to, going <laughs> to the beach. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> so, all right, I, I think we uh, we need to we need to uh, commend Ari before we sign off. Cam, our producer, is not in. He's on his honeymoon this week, and Ari was in charge. It was our technical uh, advisor. He got us all set up and. I was it's not done yet, so hopefully. <laughs> yeah. well, Way to go! Well, all right. Cam, yeah, Cam's at SeaWorld, right? Yeah, where is Cam? Do we know? Yeah, he took a yeah. he took a nice little trip out to Six Flags for his for his his wedding and anniversary. No, yeah. I actually think they went to Turks and Caicos. Yeah, like adults. Went- <laughs> <laughs> is he going to fall through a window like you did? I didn't fall through a window. I shattered a glass door. <laughs> the most expensive resort I've ever been in in my entire life. That's uh, what's the uh, the HBO uh, show about the uh, um, the resorts the one in Hawaii? Then it was in yeah, France. that'd be um, funny if I were. Uh, oh, White Lotus. White, White Lotus. Lotus. I yeah. could see that in season three of White Lotus. Ari is shattering Watson. a door at Kirk Turks and Caicos. <laughs> and the, the, so it's actually a pretty serious injury I sustained, and I have like a cut on my foot still. Oh, but I keep laughing about it. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> My wife to this day doesn't believe that it wasn't my fault. (laughs) I don't know if, but yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of Stars Matter. We will catch you next week. Bye.